welcome to Game Set Match Up, the podcast where we talk everything partnerships, the good, the bad and the ugly. Welcome to Game Set Match Up, the podcast where we discuss all things partnerships. I'm your host, Greg Watts, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Rosie Bond. Please welcome our guest today, Louis Dimitrikoulakis, Head of Strategic Partnerships at leading small business payments company, Tomato Pay. Louis, hello and welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Greg. Really looking forward to our discussion today and Rosie as well. Um, oh, absolute pleasure. Well, thank you for joining us. Well, let, let me let me start off with asking you about yourself, but perhaps I could start with, how do you pronounce your surname? The surname is pronounced Demetra Lakis. Thank you. We will get that absolutely right by the end of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, thanks so much for joining us, but perhaps you, we can start off by telling our listeners a little bit more about you and your background and perhaps tomato pie. Absolutely. So I grew up in, in the United States, in Boston, a little bit north of Boston. I'm a proud Greek American and you know, have been in kind of international business development and partnerships for the last seven or eight years. And you know, really, really been, uh, been to a bunch of different countries around the world on that journey. I was in China for three years. I was in the United Arab Emirates. For about for about six months, have been in Tel Aviv, Greece for for some time, uh, the United Kingdom now uh, for the last two years, and I really like it here. So happy to kind of dive into some of those more global experiences, and I think it's a good connection to partnerships, more generally speaking, as well, because it's all mm-hmm. about you know working across differences, finding your common ground, and you know that applies to kind of cultural exchange as well as partnerships as a business strategy. So keen to get into that. You know, I, I joined Tomato Pay because I was really looking to be in a business that makes an impact. And, you know, I've always been passionate about small businesses and, and helping small businesses thrive. I think particularly with the pandemic, we've seen an increase in insolvencies and, and the need for, you know, tools and, and solutions that are going to help small businesses grow and thrive. And Tomato Pay is uh, is a combination of of solutions. We have an open banking API platform which powers uh, uh, two mobile applications, a instant payments application, and a smart invoicing application. And the the two of those together provide an SME the ability to basically collect revenue from anyone in the UK with a bank account at about 90% cheaper than card or other types of, of payment. So we're saving businesses money, we're saving them time with gross real-time settlement of payments, and we're helping improve their cash flow because they get the money that they're owed um, instantly. And you know that's an exciting mission, and I'm, I'm really thrilled to be a part of it. They're very lucky to have you. You touched on culture. That's a topic that we're particularly passionate about here at Finder as well. And I know, I know Rosie's keen to ask you some questions around that. Yeah. So Louis, what drew you into what you're doing now and how have you found creating partnerships differs around the world? For example, what cultural nuances do you need to consider like when working across markets? Yeah, it's a great question. Something I'm you know super passionate about. Well, actually what drew me into what I'm doing now has a lot to do with the influence of my time in China, specifically in Shanghai. When I was there around 2015, 2016, it was really the beginning of the big WeChat push with payments. And I remember it was Chinese New Year 2016, 
And suddenly, instead of everyone handing each other a red envelope with money, which is a tradition on Chinese New Year called the Hongbao, everyone started taking out their phones and sending each other red packets filled with virtual renminbi. And it was just kind of this amazing moment because you know, I'd never seen anything like this in the US. Uh, I don't even think we had Venmo at that point. And everyone started just doing this, this behavior, this payments-driven behavior. And it was, it was meaningful. It was exciting. And of course, after that, WeChat, Tencent, the larger company, really just took off and has taken the world by storm. Alipay, the same thing. And that was, you know, that's a QR code based peer to peer payments network. And so seeing that innovation firsthand, the impact that it had on bringing people from all across China kind of onto a central network where they can pay and get paid from pretty much anyone using the app was a really transformative thing for that country in particular. But around the world now, you're starting to see WeChat Pay, Alipay kind of everywhere. And so I've kind of followed that. I tried to follow that path of payments innovation and go where I kind of thought it wasn't entering the market yet, but there was potential. So coming to the UK, I think from a fintech and regulatory perspective, it's a really friendly place to be a fintech business in the more general sense. But if you drill down to payments, there are some amazing payments companies that have started in the in the UK. And you know, I think Tomato Pay is combining two of those things that I really like. One is, you know, there's a big impact and then we're helping small businesses. The second is it's it's actually a lot of kind of similar mechanisms and revenue collection mechanisms via QR code that I saw during my time in China and that I, I've been so passionate about using the last couple of years myself. So those two kind of things together is a great combination, in my opinion. And to answer the second, you know, second part, I think the cultural nuances bit is incredibly important. I actually, you know, one of the biggest learnings I took from China was, wow, this is a, an amazing market. There's so much activity going on, but it's a really hard place to do business and to do business well. Mm-hmm. And to break down that question, I think you have to really have time and experience in the country to understand those cultural nuances and you know the small things like when you're sitting around that big table, the big circular table at a dinner, at a business dinner in China, how high up you raise your glass on a toast or go, you know, go lower to your counterpart is a sign of respect, the lower you can go. Hmm. And those nuances, if you can pick them up, can really make or break a deal or a partnership. And I think a lot of people miss those minor details. So one of the first businesses I, I started actually was focused on those cultural differences and those cultural details and focusing on how can you know I work with businesses, particularly in the EMEA region, to help them basically get prepared to do business with China. And you know, of course it was it was a lot more difficult than I assumed, both from an entrepreneurship perspective, but also just implementing something that's a little bit that's you know non-technical, that's a little bit more specific to different situations. But you really learn that there are kind of it's just it, it's about the approach more than anything else. If you can show your counterpart, it doesn't matter what culture they're in, if you can show them that you have the right intentions about going about this partnership and and the right objectives and and find alignment there, then you know the rest kind of writes itself a little bit. 
yeah, so that, that's kind of an initial thought. I'm happy to kind of take any of those a little bit further. That's so interesting. I mean, I think I still find it fascinating to this day that, to, that even I think typically as Westerners, whether we're from North America or from the UK, I think a lot of people have the perception that other markets are just going to do business with us. But perhaps people like in the UK and in, in the US maybe don't necessarily spend enough time focusing on those subtle but ever so important cultural nuances which and demonstrate that they take the time to understand different cultures as well. I think that's a big part for me that taking the time demonstrates the respect that you've got for that country and those people within that country that who you want to do business with that I think I so often still see this kind of hammer hammer approach, which as you say, whether it's knowing how to how to raise your glass at a corporate meal in China, or whether it's doing something else in Poland or or in the Czech Republic or in France, whatever it might be. I think just taking the time is just so important. Why do you think some people don't take the time to understand those those differences? I mean, I think this is a, a wider argument for kind of globalization and <laughs> and and having you know more diverse teams and everything because yeah. just having the exposure in the first instance gives you the opportunity to I guess make mistakes and to and to learn from those mistakes and to you know learn actively learn and actively seek out people from different cultures to learn things from and learn about their you know their customs and traditions and and everything like that and if you don't have that initial access or or opportunity then you know there's a it's hard for you to make that change when you're actually in the country um, or there's no impetus for you to make the change so I, I think it actually starts with you know what can we do to make our teams our communities our our kind of wider wider groups that we associate with how can we foster global understanding and communication in order to kind of share share knowledge share experiences share cultural understanding. And then I think it, it trickles down to an individual's business decisions and business preferences and, and how they go about doing things. But you know, I can tell you time and time again, I've seen and I've met people who have just ended up on the wrong side of, of a transaction in China because they just chose to ignore the cultural precedents, the cultural nuances and go about things kind of their own way. And that's a big no-no in Chinese business culture in particular. You mentioned another alongside with the word culture, um, also the word diversity, which is something we, we share a passion about. It's remarkable, isn't it, how d diverse teams, funnily enough, often lead to high-performing businesses because you're surrounded with people who perhaps don't necessarily look like you or behave like you, but collectively you make for a stronger team because you're you're so much more than just that, just just the one person. But so linked link to that, dare I ask, what advice would you give to your younger self starting out? Perhaps the do's and the don'ts, if you like. I mean, if we're speaking specifically about partnerships, I would say one of the do's is over prepare, particularly when it comes to those minute details that we were discussing earlier. A lot of times, I think when I was younger, I used to get so excited about different opportunities that I would forget to really drill down to the details and prepare for specifics and whether that's objections whether that's whether that's a line of questioning whether that's you know specific details involved in the partnership i think over preparing is a great way to mm -hmm. to mitigate those potential risks and then 
you know, a don't or a do is definitely, it's really critical to step back and understand the potential limitations, both within your own business and within your partner's businesses. You know, I've always been a fast mover. And I think this is sometimes to my detriment in the partnerships world. It's you know always critical to ask yourself, what are the potential limitations that would stop this partnership from going from zero to one, as an example? And if you can't answer those questions about the limitations, then maybe you shouldn't be going ahead with the partnership in the first place, because it means that you haven't drilled down into the specific details of kind of what could go wrong or, or how do we stop this being a potential issue before it happens or how do we allocate resources for this if if we know that this is going to be a big thing we need to spend money on down the road so i think that's a that's a big piece and a do is definitely to have your your partnership thesis clearly defined but also don't immediately disqualify peripheral opportunities that don't fit into that thesis you know really strictly because that's just you know you can miss out on great opportunities that maybe weren't crystal clear in the first meeting or in the beginning but you know, become so eventually. So having created partnerships for most of your career, what are your top tips, sort of handbook of partnerships, if you were to create one, what would you include? Yeah, I mean, we, we keep coming back to the point of understanding both kind of cultural understanding, communication with people. But my, my big tip would be, be empathetic, mm. both within and outside your organization. You know, understand that people have different objectives and be able to step in their shoes and, and think about, well, what's motivating this person? Why are they saying no to this? Or why would they, you know, what would be a blocker for them? What would be a challenge for them? What would be a motivating factor for them to drive this partnership forward? And that's a question that both takes kind of introspection and you have to have some thick skin, I think, and and realize that, you know, not everyone's going to be super enthusiastic about the partnership that you're working on. Um, and, and so you need to really lay out the facts in a detailed way and, and also be empathetic with those people and think about, well, why are they against this or why are they not allocating budget to this uh, in, you know, in a partner organization, as an example? And then how can I kind of take baby steps to move things forward? And yeah, you know, if you, if you consider the impact, you know, it sounds straightforward, but really just considering the impact of your partnership on the end customers for both you and the partner company, it's really easy to get caught up in the what's in it for us yes. cycle of thinking. But a partnership might be worthless if it doesn't end up solving real problems for both of your end customers and organizations. So that would be kind of top tip number two. I couldn't agree more. You, you, you use quite a few words, which we're very, I said this before, but I'll say it again, we're very passionate here. Find around, around culture and diversity, and also equality when it comes to making sure the partnership, as you say, is equal for both parties. That both of them get something out of it. I think you know we we often see at Finder that this is one of the reasons we created Finder, but we often see that businesses don't spend enough time considering how they can add value to the other party to create an equitable partnership. Rather, they spend perhaps quite a lot of time talking about their business or their solution or whatever it might be, which are wonderful things, but perhaps they don't spend enough time thinking about how what they've got can really help another business, which creates a partnership. Yeah. And I think one of the great things that you're doing with Finder, you know, when I go on the the platform, 
right? You can kind of say, what am I look, what are we looking for when it comes to partnerships? But the whole nature of the platform being that I can actively go seek out other potential companies with that same kind of objective statement. And that's a first starting point for creating that alignment and, um, and understanding that. Whereas if I do my own research or I go and try and contact a company cold, I might have my own biases about that organization and not actually know what they're looking for from a partnerships point of view. And so that's where, you know, I think Finder becomes really valuable is you, you kind of can understand some of those potential objectives right off the bat and at least go into that first meeting with a, with a, with a general high level sense of, okay, we're both looking for something similar or there's potentially some crossover here. And so we should have this conversation. That's very kind of you to say thank you. I mean, this is not a, a plug on on Finder. This is about you and Tomato Pay today. But but just to say, just to say that yeah, that we we are again very passionate about that. Our, our vision is that we want to help businesses of any size speak to each other. So you could be a small startup based in Beijing, but using our platform, you might end up having a call with Mastercard or with Sky or with Uber. And we're we're pretty passionate about that. That if we can help businesses around the world who are who are getting started, perhaps speak to bigger businesses, then that wouldn't that be a good thing for, for society and equally for larger businesses to speak to smaller businesses and everything in between. But I've got, I've got one last question to round us off, if I may. What do you see the future holding for businesses when it comes to creating partnerships with each other? And what, if anything, will you and Tomato Pay be doing differently over the coming months? Uh, that's a great question. I'd say you know the future is going to be dependent on a lot of things, obviously, mm-hmm. how the COVID situation plays out. But in light of that, we, you know, we've definitely seen a shift in how partnerships go to market in the sense of the digital first approach and hopping on a call or a video call first before the traditional go meet in person, have the handshake, you know, type of way of doing business. So I think that's going to mean more partnerships. And I think we're going to see that trend continue. But the, the challenge and the big question is going to be the quality of those partnerships. If it's suddenly, you know, if you lack the the human connection, the understanding of each other, not as just individuals, but your you know your respective businesses that you can gain from having you know really close conversations and meetings, and sometimes in person meetings are the way to do that. Sometimes it's digital, you know. Then then you can really miss out on the the quality foundation that you need to build a sustainable partnership. So I, I would challenge everyone in the partnership space. To think differently about how can I effectively bridge this kind of online and offline way of, of building partnerships in the coming years and use the best tools online that you know we, we've kind of seen emerge over the last year and a half while combining that with kind of the traditional offline in-person meetings and discussions and collaboration events and proofs of concept and trainings and whatever it might be. And I think just finding the right combination is going to be a lot of trial and error, but that you know, it'll be interesting to see the end result. What we'll be doing differently over the next coming months is probably continuing to evaluate the landscape and seeing what, if at all, the partnership, how, if at all, the partnership thesis changes for us. You know, in light, in line with when you're launching a new product, it's always important to think about. What are the different channels and distribution pathways for this product? But that can change depending on who your target audience is, depending on 
where your product fits in the landscape and with your customer base. So I think it's just continuing to experiment and iterate on on who we partner with and, and taking those in kind of unique directions. Um, and I'm really excited to to be leading that journey. Well, Louis, thank you so much for joining us on Game Set Match Up. This was wonderful. We'd love to invite you back over the coming months to see see how things are progressing. But thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Greg. Thank you, Rosie. It was a pleasure. And yeah, I mean, I think this is an exciting time for the partnerships world. So we'll see where things go. Oh, the pleasure was all ours. Take care and we'll speak very soon. Thank you. Thanks for joining this week's Game Set Matchup. Tune in to hear more about the need to knows and the do's and don'ts when it comes to creating successful business partnerships.